This episode of Wishes Break was brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. For the price of a beer or a price of a coffee, you can support this stupid podcast called Wishes Breakaway and support Greg and I. It's awesome. Thank you. Today, we're going to talk about Malkin and if he should become a ranger. We're going to talk about Patrick Kane and if he should become a ranger. And we're going to have Vincent Mercogliano on to talk about, you're never going to believe it, the New York Rangers. Without further ado, here's Mark Messier. Transition. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Uh, this one, for some reason, it feels like we haven't done one in a while. It does I feel like it's been the exact amount of time that we've always have done one. <laughs> a lot's happened. The draft happened. The Rangers participated. They uh, sure did. I would say that they made picks for players. And I know you're thinking, uh-huh. Ryan and Greg, you're the number one New York Rangers podcast. You're going to break down those picks. We are not. We not are not. Not our job. And then uh, there's been also, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this team called the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know if they're really a team anymore. Pretty uh, sure they're fucking up my life, Ryan, is what they're doing. I hate it. I really hate it. I, I, I think we got to get it out of the way early. The Kane stuff? I really do. Kane stuff. Let's I, just get ahead of it. I'm let's, so let's, out let's, on the Kane. I want to get into the Malkin stuff because that's juicy for Ryan. Da- right. Daddy likes. That's fun. Let, let's have the not fun of off the front here. <laughs> okay, let's have the not fun. So do you, do you want to do the hockey perspective or the life perspective first? I think the life perspective is pretty simple. Has yeah, had a, a terrible human being. Yep. Okay. I was going to say it a little bit more yes. nuanced. You no. <laughs> you any way you slice it. Listen, I understand that sports fans, you and me included, we do this for players we like. Um, perfect example because someone will be like, "Oh, you don't actually have an example." Like, no human being conflicts me more in my entire life than Jose Reyes because there is a certain level of I grew up with that guy. I grew up loving that guy. He is such an important part of so many formative years in my life where he gave me happy memories. And it's really hard to separate the fact that there was a domestic assault incident in Hawaii where he threw his wife through a glass door. And it's really hard for me to play both ends of that side, right? Because you you can't. Well, he did throw his wife through a glass door. It's pretty hard to fight that. Exactly. That, that That is a certifiable fact. But I can't look at Jose Reyes and not think about all the happy memories I had with him from like 2004 until 2011. That was a really important part of my Mets fandom, my my like culmination of a certain period of my life. Like 2006 is such an important year for me as a sports fan, and it's impossible to separate Jose Reyes from that, from the just shit person it turned out that he ended up being. And it's un- it's unfortunate and. I- I am not downplaying my own personal struggle with it because, again, so many more, more people have so many more, more opinions, more deserving than I do on the topic. But that's just a personal example from me. For Patrick Kane, I'll be quite honest with you, Ryan. It's a complete level of selfishness. I just don't want to deal with the bullshit. I don't want to. I don't want to have the conversations. But here's the thing. The conversations are too important not to have. So we will have to have them. He is a bad person. He has done things to people that are unforgivable under any circumstance. And I don't give a shit if charges were dropped or there was a civil settlement or any of that shit. 
All right. We're living through Deshaun Watson. Can't talk to me about any of it right now. So I just, I don't want the person. I, just, I don't want to deal with it either. I think that's pretty clear. I, if, yeah. he, if he was a Ranger and he scored some big goals, I'd, I'd be excited. I understand that. Uh, but even from like a hockey perspective, which I know we're going to get into in just a second, it's not really the fit the Rangers are looking for. It's not really. He can't play center. He ain't a center. I, I get it. Can't play center. There's, Elite there's winger. A certain, there's a certain point that people are making that's true. And it's points come from everywhere, right? So it's it's not that the Rangers can't use his five on five offense, which is still very good. It's not that the Rangers can't use his 70 plus points, which surely will help them. It's not like we just went through an entire season where we talked about how the one thing plaguing the New York Rangers is that they can't score in five V five. And if you're just talking about the player, yeah, Patrick Kane should help with that. That's what logic says. However, if you get Patrick Kane, that's your move. That's it, right? You're, everything else is kind of bargain bin shopping. You're, you're, you're getting, and to be fair, the Rangers, Maybe that's what they should be. One big move, bargain bin shopping, backup goalie. That's it. Great and good. However, I feel like a couple things that people aren't taking into consideration. One, yes, Filipino just had an absolutely incredible playoff. A playoff so good in which you and I had a discussion about whether he or Mika Zibanejad was actually their playoff MVP if we were to take legitimate discussion out of the question. Legitimate, <laughs> we weren't doing it for clicks. Not a we bit. weren't doing it Larry, Larry Brooks style, right? I cannot that wait to talk about that tweet. I'm so excited. But that was a serious <laughs> conversation we had. Filipino was that good and that important to the New York Rangers where you could have made an argument that he was the team MVP in the playoffs. Full, full fact. However, he's yet to do it over an 82-game season. He's also yet to play a full 82-game season. Every year, he's either gotten hurt or something has happened to him that has taken him out of the lineup. That's just a stone-hard fact. And if you don't address your center depth, yeah, you can have Patrick Kane and Artemi Panarin on the line. Are you prepared for Barclay Goodrow to be between them? And are you prepared for Kevin Rooney to be between one of Alexi Lafreniere and Kapokako and Vitaly Kravtsov? Like, that, that's your center depth. You have none if you sign Patrick Kane. I, I get it, guys. You, you, it, it's very easy to fall in love with the points. It's very easy to fall in love with the idea. It's very easy to fall in love with the wing concepts that the Rangers have. To me, that's all great and good until someone gets hurt down the middle. Zibanejad has injury history. Heedle has injury history. And if those are your only two certifiable, bona fide, top six centers that you could possibly play, man, you are so close to having Barclay Goodrow and Philip Heedle being your only two centers. Or Mika Zibanejad and Barclay Goodrow being your only two centers. And that's unacceptable for me. I'm not okay with that. To me, that's like... That's like the Mets having a chance to trade for uh, a star pitcher from one of these shit teams. Like, um, I don't even know. But instead of, like, instead of the Mets addressing the two lineup holes that they have, a designated hitter and catcher, they're just going to be like, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to get more pitching. We're going to get so much pitching that hopefully our lineup doesn't matter. And at some point, here's the thing, Ryan, it fucking matters. doesn't matter. Matt Scherzer last week. Six shutout innings struck out 11. You know what the Mets did? Lost. Lost. Lost, <laughs> Lost my friend. They lost. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just like, yeah, guys. I, like, if, if if I'm just talking about the player, I love the points. I think it'll help the five-on-five five if, if you were but like – If I'm talking about lineup construction, I can't get over the fact that the New York Rangers are a not-out-of-the-realm-of-possibility injury away from either Zibanejad or Hedl 
from having to play Barclay Goodrow 17 minutes a night. Not, what I, the fuck? I don't even think we've gotten to the really important parts of Patrick Kane yet, which is... Well, we, we have. I'm sorry. The first the first points we made were the really important parts. Now, we have to, have to have to trade for Patrick Kane, and guess what? The Blackhawks have to eat half his salary. That has to happen, otherwise he doesn't fit on the New York Rangers' cap. So not only are you giving up assets, now, after seeing what the Blackhawks have traded other players for, they're to bring cat the big the bring that I can't say it. Either Alex trade to bring cat, to bring cat and Kirby Doc. So I, I'll to that point. Those trades are miserable. To, awful. So I can't sit here and say, well, it'll be different if they have to eat salary. I we have no reason to believe that it won't. They're literally letting Dylan Strom walk for free. We have they to talk about Dylan Strom as well because that's a legitimate Strom. option for the New York Rangers. Yeah, it's but it's it's. We can't. We I, I I wish we could, Ryan. I really wish I could sit here and say the the cost would be prohibitive to trade for Patrick Kane. I think the reason why this conversation we're even having it is because the Blackhawks fumbled so fucking bad on draft night and everything after draft night that I I could sit here and I honestly think Lundqvist a first and a conditional pick that could also be a first. That honestly could be it. It really could. They they. They have given us zero reason to believe they will get a haul for Patrick Kane. And then you add into the fact that Kane is essentially going to choose his destination a la Rick Nash. Forget about it. The Rangers aren't going to give anything up in terms of tangible asset that's going to make you or me worry. Kako's not on the table. Definitely not. not on the table. Definitely Lafreniere's not. not on the table. <laughs> not it's, at literally all. Lafre- it's literally Lundquist and two picks. And I think that's enough. And I think that's enough because that's how bad the Blackhawks have been for the last seven days. They've been awful. The the tanking for a top two pick in the next draft, which I know they're almost guaranteed to get one of the two generational players, and these are generational prospects. It's not like a making up term. Uh, these are these are the kind of prospects. This is sort of the McDavid Eichel draft again with uh, Bedard and uh, Mitchkoff. I think is his name. I want to make sure. I don't know. Anyway, he's the Russian prospect. For you, it's close enough. Yep, he signed until like 2027 or some shit. Anyway, uh, they they clearly are betting it all on getting Bernard. And they they think that will change their uh, future. I don't know. They still have Seth Jones for eight more years. And uh, eight plus 2022 is 2030. So, um, I boy, I can't even think about 2030. The thing that the Blackhawks are doing that other teams aren't, right? Because there are other teams also trying to strategically not be overly competitive to get a chance at Bedard. But the Blackhawks are making it so that they're making sure they're not even accidentally acquiring pieces that could help them. Yeah, they don't want to do that. They want to be very, very, very bad. Right. They didn't get – I understand that they got um, a top 10 pick for Debrinkat, but they didn't get another player from Ottawa. Not even one of their not quite top three, but maybe that like – four to eight range such prospect a steal you would for expect. Ottawa. Such a yeah. fucking steal. But here's the thing. I, I said this on Twitter. I still don't quite think if I'm Ottawa that I should have been in the position to make this big of a swing. Like, I guess if the price is so low, it's a no-lose proposition, right? Yeah, you're trying to but now, Of course. But, I, like, that's the thing. I just – would I feel sure that Brady Kachuk and Alex DeBrincat are going to be my guys for the next seven-plus years? Or is Alex Debrinkat more of the really, really, really good third banana? But maybe not the third banana I want to be paying that much money to, right? Like, is he more Chris Kreider than he is the player? I Patrick mean, you're, you're Ottawa. 
Ottawa. <laughs> I, I guess that's true, and you have to get who you can get. I understand that. Yeah. At the same time, no, but, like, the point of this is if we thought that it was going to be cost prohibitive to get Ottawa uh, – uh, not Ottawa, Chicago – to eat half of Kane's money, it's just out the window. It really is. They have no interest in trying to recoup even 80 cents on the but, dollar. But even then, like, let's players. say they ate half of it. It's like, okay, you get you bring Kane in, and it, you put him on the first power play in the Strom spot. It's like, okay, it does it does seem like a waste, right? Because but, but he, again, we're we're not we're gonna limit Lafreniere again because do you think Kane's not gonna play power play one? He's definitely playing power play one. But it it the point you're really making here is that like the difference between Kane being on that line and anyone else being on that line, it's like Kane adds maybe what five percent. The level of success of that line just baked into Fox, Panarin, Zibanejad, and Kreider is so high that it's like adding someone as offensively gifted as Kane doesn't, it's just like a waste of a space. And then you can't make the argument, well, then they should just actually make a second power play unit that they care about. We know they won't. So why am I even going to entertain that as an op- as they a realistic opportunity? They're not going to. Nor should they, Ryan. Here's the thing. Their power play is dynamic when you give 90 seconds of the 120 seconds. And guess what? It, four, it won the whole fucking season for them. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was the and whole you know plan. What? It's, going, it's going to next year. For me, it honestly, from just a player personnel standpoint, I you're just leaving yourself so barren down the middle if you don't bring in a center. And you cannot do both. If you want Kane, even at 50%, you are admitting that at least for the first... 60% of the season until the trade deadline that you are stuck with what you have at center. And you know what, Ryan, it might be enough because it was enough last year, right? If Igor Shosturkin is Igor Shosturkin. And if that top power play unit is that top power play unit, that might be enough to get you to the trade deadline where you're third or fourth in the Metro. And you have a realistic possibility of going up the standings and being a playoff team once again, but I am not willing to bet this season on simply being decent enough at the start and hoping they figure it out at the end. What? I'd rather have a more concrete answer before this year starts. And that involves bringing in a high performing center that could play top six minutes in case someone gets injured or in case Phil Heedle continues to Enter not exactly be that guy. Malkin. It's a perfect scenario. It's interesting. The Malkin stuff is really I, interesting. I, it, you know how Stasi's your guy? I get it. Yeah. And, and you planted your flag. Malkin's my dude. I'm all in. Yeah. If Your guy seems more fun than my guy, which doesn't it, seem right. Yes, I agree with you. Uh, Malkin, listen, guys. Lifelong Penguin. Generational winner there. Just a pain in the ass. Not healthy. But a lot of people have been throwing this not healthy. Doesn't play a lot of games. Dude, he's played like more than 60 games like, twice in his whole like career. Going back to like 2013, games played 31, 60, 69, 57, 62, 78. That 78 year, he used to hit 98 points. Mulkin's legitimate, and he's pissed off at the Penguins, who were acquired by as by Fenway Sports Group, Sports Group, yeah, who owned Liverpool and the Boston Red Sox, who definitely had a number that they were were not willing to go past whatever that number is. We don't know, but they're not teach treating him like the Malkin he wants to be treated like, which is a Pittsburgh Penguin legend. They don't give a shit. They've never given a shit. They let Mookie Betts get traded. They've done this They've done this with player after player in Liverpool. They will find a way to replace you. That's what Fenway Sports Group does. But when it comes to getting treated like a superstar and getting treated like a great player, you know what the Rangers do very well? 
just that. Now, maybe he turned down a four-year offer from the Pittsburgh Penguins. He might have found it insulting. After they handed Chris Letang a contract until he's a literal dinosaur. I mean, he's 41 in the last year of that contract. It's a six-year contract for Chris Letang. And that's no slight at Chris Letang. He's a great player. But Malkin is exactly what the New York Rangers need. I would take him on a three-year deal. I'm sure they're going to offer him a three-year deal. They can offer him like 6.5. They can offer him six. I think he'd be happy to take something like that. If I'm Malkin, I might take a one-year fuck you deal. Like, you think you think you you don't want me, Pittsburgh Penguins? Fine, I'll take a one-year with the New York Rangers or the Colorado Avalanche. Think about taking a one-year with the Colorado Avalanche for Malkin. That's disgusting. And that's why the Rangers need to get in there now. He's the perfect piece where he could play 3C. If Heedle's having, he's like on this fire or whatever. He's just having a great run here. Uh, Malkin could go down to the third line. It's totally fine. We could run three lines. Malkin could play 2C. He's injured. Not a problem. Have Heedle step up and be 2C. You have that depth. He's a proven playoff player. He's a pain in the ass. He's a like an all-time player. He's everything the Rangers need, and he's center depth, and you don't have to trade anything for him. You lose no assets, and all you got to do is take a meeting where James Dolan goes, here's a bucket of cash, and we're going to treat you like gold. That's it. That's it. Why Why wouldn't I am shocked. I really am, Greg. And tell me why. I'm shocked as to many, how many people, how many Ranger fans are not interested in signing Malkin. Like, dude, I understand he's a little hurt, but it's Malkin. He's not, you're not going to get a better 2C for a, a two-year deal than that. There's no better option. Maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois. Maybe. But even then, I'd rather have Malkin. If you're like in a vacuum for two years, I'll take Malkin. That's the way it goes. I, I will say, I, I talked to our friend uh, Murata Tesh today a lot. Just because... How's Murata um, doing? He's doing great. That guy just... Love him. So nice. gem, gem, gem of the earth, truly. Uh, he's very confident that Winnipeg is not going to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois. He, okay. he, thinks, he thinks they will spend the next... At least this season... Um, really trying to sell Dubois on the Jets and really trying to keep the Jets winning. Because, and Murat's right to this point too, if they do decide to sell him, the package they could get today is the exact same they'll get at the deadline. Exact same. You lose nothing by trying to run out there for four months and prove to Pierre-Luc Dubois that you're taking hockey seriously and this team is going to be good. You lose nothing. You'll get every single asset you want at the trade deadline that you could get today. And quite honestly, you could probably have more teams involved because players will get hurt, and that involves long-term IR in situations that we're not thinking. And as I'm saying this, if he ends up in Tampa Bay, I'll murder someone. Yeah. Anyway, back <laughs> yes, to Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, back to Evgeny Malkin. Uh, it's a little shocking that more Ranger fans aren't at least pondering the idea of what Malkin would look like in a Ranger sweater. And the point I think you made that to me means the most, it's pissed off Malkin. I would point to prove. Yeah. But not, not, no, not just point to prove. You have the opportunity that only seven other teams in the NHL have. And that's you're pissed at the Penguins want a chance to really shove it down their fucking throat. Why don't you come to this metropolitan division rival where we also, by the way, just beat you in the playoffs and you can beat them yourself next year, man. Do you want that chance? Only seven teams have that opportunity and can be the hurricanes. They're cheap as shit and can be the capitals. 
Uh, they're desperate to get a goalie. It seems like that's where their money's going. And could it be the Blue Jackets? They're a little too far away. And could it be the Flyers? They're fucking idiots. Definitely not the Devils. So it essentially comes the down Devils, to... The Devils, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. The Devils might do something nuts. Like, I could see the Devils being like, here's two years, 11 million. Well, I'm just laughing that they passed on Shane Wright, but that's another story. Oh, God. I, I, a good friend of the show, Jeff Belinsky, was actually thrilled with the player they got. And I'm like, you're lying to yourself. You're lying. Stop lying to yourself. You're lying. Don't stop. Oh, that's I've who never, you wanted? I've, cool. I've never seen a draft go better for the New York Rangers in which they didn't have a pick. You're telling me the Devils had a chance to draft Shane Wright and didn't. The Islanders traded away their first-round pick for a defenseman I had no fears whatsoever about. It, the Flyers, everything the Flyers have done so far, just chef's kiss. Keep up the good work. I'm absolutely not um, a podcaster, by the way, Greg. Just wanted to let you know. It's a quote of mine. Why? Who said that? No, it's just another quote from a Flyer player. He said he used a different word than podcaster, but I just wanted to. Oh. Ha! Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. Fuck, fuck, <laughs> fucking. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, three years would give me a little pause. I won't lie to you. I, I'd be a lot happier. Like, if I had yep. to choose between... If I had to choose between giving up assets to pay Patrick Kane five and a half million dollars or just backing up the truck and paying Malkin seven and a half million dollars for one year to have him just go ape shit in Pittsburgh, I'd rather that. Um, if we can make it a two year deal, it's absolute perfection. I like a third year with a player like Malkin, I don't say no. I'm just telling you that it doesn't sit right with me. It's like essentially the Chris Kreider extension, right? Where like you understand why it's six years, but you really would have preferred four. And you, it's the price of doing business to a certain extent. Uh, if it takes three years to get Malkin, I'd consider it. I'd Let me put it this way, Ryan. Under no circumstance is five years of Stromer cop better than three years of Malkin. The, right. the Strom, and we're going to have Vince on in a second. Um, and I know what he's going to say, that the doors aren't closed on Cop and Strom. But I would say the doors are mostly closed. It's just not locked yet. The door's closed. Just the locks aren't on. The latch hasn't been turned. Six years for Cop is insanity. And I like Cop. Crazy. There's no, no way. So uh, I'm all in on the Mulkin train. Because if, if, if Pierre-Luc Dubois isn't an option... You need a center option, and that's either Stasny or Malkin or maybe a name we haven't talked about yet, someone they're looking to trade for. And it's definitely not Larkin or one of these big names, by the way. Strom, Dylan Strom could be the answer. And going from Ryan to Dylan is um, as Rangers as it gets. <laughs> it doesn't get much more New York Rangers than that. So we'll see on that one. But I'm all in on Malkin. Let me, let me give this hypothetical for you. If Malkin asks for four, and that's the only way to get the deal done, do you do it? So I'm worried about that because he would be 40 at the end. He turns 36 on July 31st. So he'll be 36 heading into the season. Super happy going to, to age 39 with Malkin. Cool with it. I think his performance is... I, I know he's going to be hurt. I know he's going to miss 30 games. I'm going to live with that. I've got Igor. I get it. I can't really go four. But if you're pissed off and you're motivated enough... Because no one else is going to go four either, by the way. Not anybody, I not, I, not any team that you want to be on, Malkin. I promise. Not you're not going to get four from the Colorado Av Avalanche. You're not getting four from the Florida Panthers. You can get three from us. That's it. You think he goes? You think he gets four years from the Panthers? No way. No I don't chance. know. I just my worry is 
It has to be financial, right? It has to be something like the Penguins just weren't offering him north of $5 million. Oh, uh, no, I think it started off as financial, and then it became, like, blood. Like, disrespect. Right, no, 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 but, like, we're if, if we're talking this out and we're saying what made this go sour, right? If they were close on the no, on the money, I don't think the years would have actually mattered as much. So that's what leaves me to believe that this was mostly financial, which makes it personal, right? Yep. Especially when you see Latang get that little extra that he Dude, was. Malkin for. commented, "I hope I don't have to play against you on Instagram." That's that's real drama, my friend. <laughs> that's real shit. I, so if it's financial. And Malkin is cool doing short term, which is two, three years. Then you can you can start really talking yourself into this being a viable option for the Rangers. Uh, and I'll like sitting here, I'd rather have to give Malkin an extra year and make it four, than even get Cop or Strom to concede to the Rangers and accept four. Like if I was if I had to choose between Malkin, Cop. And Strom over each, like, I get one of those guys for the next four years. I'm choosing Malkin. It's not close for me. Well, because part of it for me is we've, we've kind of seen what the ceiling is for a Strom and or cop top six, right? Like, last year was great. None of us have any complaints. It exceeded our expectations. Fun time. But, but we also can't sit here and say, well, I think it could actually get better than it was. Like, as great as it was, I think you have to consider yourself quite lucky that um, you were able... You should have gotten through the Penguins with ease. But there is a level of luck that you fell behind 3-1 and you won. I think we have to admit that there was a level of luck that they got the Hurricanes when they got the Hurricanes. And I think you have to admit that the right team did win the Eastern Conference Finals, even if it wasn't the team that was up two games to none and two nothing in game three. Like, play that series out a hundred times. I don't think the Rangers find themselves in the specific situation they were in often, and I think more than 65% of the time they lose the series. So to me, that kind of signifies that all those things considered, that might be the ceiling for that specific group of Rangers. Now, if I were to add a little, just, we don't have to, you don't have to add a lot, right? You're just missing a couple ingredients here. And I think Malkin, along with improvements from Lafreniere, improvements from Kako, and someone like Kravtsov getting minutes that were going. But you're getting minutes from Sammy Blay and Vitaly Kravtsov that were going to, in the top nine, to Dryden Hunt and and Barclay Goodrow. And you're, you're replacing those minutes with minutes for other people, which also makes your fourth line better, by the way. Asking Dryden Hunt to play the role that he best succeeds at on the fourth line, that's great. Asking Barclay Goodrow to be a defensive specialist, that's great. You, 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 by adding someone up top, you're making the lineup deeper below him. And to me, I just think, instead of trying to run it back, like I understand the risks that come with potentially – and mixing some things up, but I just, I think we saw the ceiling and I think the Rangers have to go out and get someone down the middle. I want to be clear that to me, it has to be a center that can push them over the top. And I, I think you're right. I think Malkin is that guy. Do I think Stasny does a lot of things well 
that the Rangers would benefit from, and I think something Stasny would offer that Malkin doesn't, is if the Rangers did want to bring in a guy now, but also have the option to bring guys in at the deadline, then Stasny more better, more better. Nice. Better fits that agenda. But if you, like, some guys you just have to go for. And I don't think you're going to get a more motivated or more pissed off Evgeny Malkin. And you have a real chance to tell the Penguins to go fuck themselves. It's perfect. And I just don't you know. Have to do. I don't know how, as a sports fan, you don't revel. It's all the shit that we've had to listen to from fucking Pittsburgh media. I couldn't believe that goddamn Jay Fresh chart that had Pittsburgh like 20. I was like, what? They're the most annoying fan base I've ever seen. It's all yeah. fucking. They're you worse guys than are Toronto. Tell me, you've, you've had to eat this shit sandwich for weeks, even months at this point. Like, the sun rose in Pittsburgh today, so I promise you that fucking loser on the radio was like, well, Jacob Trube is still alive, so my okay, day's whatever. blah, 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 uh, blah. We, I, but, I, like, you're I, telling me as a fan base, you're telling me as a fan base that you don't want to be the team that then brings in Malkin, gives them quadruple birds, and tells them to get fucked, and then beats them in the playoffs again with their own fucking guy? It's shit. You know what? Here's the thing. Malkin, a little bit of a dirty piece of shit. He is. What if he's the one that hits Crosby next year. You kidding? Holy Fuck, I would be naked in a minute if Malkin did something that took Crosby out of his... I'm not rooting for it. I right. never root for injuries. Not rooting for it, but... Just but saying. Just saying. Twisted things make people horny. That's all I know. And that would turn me fucking on. Blue shirts breakaway, everybody. Let's get to Vincent Ricogano, esteemed journalist. <laughs> Transition. Hey, we're back with our first guest. We have Vince Ricogliano. Vince, welcome back to the show. I want to start with a real hard question. Last year on the show, you came on and said about Libra Hayek, I don't know what they're doing. Before the show, he signed a one-year, one-way deal with the New York Rangers. Please explain and help me. Ryan, I knew you were going to start with this question. Like, I was thinking about it earlier when I was driving home from the rink, and I remember that I, I told you guys I would do this, and I'm like, they're totally going to ask about Hayek. Because I think, I think you led with that. I, I don't know if it was the last time I was on, but it was definitely one of the times that I came on, I remember you guys, like I was all ready to talk about all this training camp stuff, I think it was, and you guys led with Hayek. So I anticipated it this time. I'm ready for it. Good. Help me. Help, but, me, under, help but, me understand. But I still don't, don't really have an answer for Okay, you. fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, guess, I, guess that, I guess I'll say that. I, I, I will say this, like all, all jokes aside, I have learned this about Chris Drury, that no matter how insignificant some people might think an asset is he does not like to waste an asset and whether it's Hayek or I also was having a conversation with somebody today about Julian Gauthier like those guys are not going to play for the Rangers next year unless you know there's a variety of injuries and a lot of crazy stuff happens but I believe that they are still holding both of them with the hope as much of a long shot as it might be that Maybe somebody will come along and offer them a late round draft pick and they'd rather do that than just let them walk away for nothing. So I know it's, I know it seems silly, especially when it costs guys that are probably higher upside, more deserving, whatever you want to say, a roster spot as it, as we kind of think that it did, especially with Hayek last year, but he, he just doesn't want to let those guys walk for nothing. He wants to hold them and see if he can, whether add them to another package or just on their own, maybe fish, a sixth or seventh round draft pick. And I'll say this, Alexander Georgiev yes. definitely has more value than those guys. 
But I was of the impression, and I had heard this around the league from a variety of people, that he was going to have a really hard time getting anything other than a late-round pick, like maybe a fifth or sixth-round pick for him. And then he pulls out two-thirds and a fifth. So sometimes, you know, he can make you kind of eat your words on these things. Now, is he going to get a package like that for Hayek? No. But, <laughs> Vince, I'll you know, stop the podcast. Maybe, like, well, and- <laughs> maybe, Yeah, yeah. I, I'll come back on if that happens and we can reevaluate. But, I mean – you know, maybe he gets a sixth round pick from somebody for, for those guys. And I, I, again, I would throw Gautier in with Hayek because Gautier is a guy that I know they have no intention of actually using in NHL games, unless again, a variety of things happen that open up a lineup spot, but they didn't want to let him walk. They want, they were going to qualify him as well, just because they view him as a fringe asset that maybe some way, somehow down the line, they could get a little something for. And not, I promise this is not a defense of Lieber Hayek or anything like that, but allow me events to at least present an opportunity that makes a little sense from the Rangers perspective, right? We under, we, you, me, Ryan are under the impression. It'll be one of Niels Lundqvist or Zach Jones, depending on everything that happens this off season, that will be given shot number one at bottom pairing left-hand defenseman. And we assume that Patrick Nemeth will probably not be a New York Ranger come opening night. So you could at least make the he might argument. Not be, he might not be one in like 24 hours. Yeah. Right. But at least you could say that if you keep Hayek, you don't have to give out the obligatory $925,000 contract to veteran defenseman X, who is just going to sit in the press box as a seventh defenseman. And why can't that just be Lieber Hayek? Right. Because if something happens to the top six, whichever of Jones or Lundquist or Robertson doesn't win the job out of camp, probably getting the first crack at that anyway. So why not just already have your seventh defenseman box checked, call it a day, move on, do something else more fun. That, that's fair. I mean, that that's feasible. I can't believe we're spending five minutes opening the show on high. This is what yeah, our listeners care about. Vince, <laughs> Vince, Vince, just you wait until what the next, heard. don't, don't, you know what? Fine. Here's what the next five minutes were going to be spent. There. there are a lot of interesting players today who were uh, not qualified contracts by their organizations. Is it, too soon for us to be thinking of the welcome back and man rocket Brett Howden narrative that's going to start on opening night. Yeah, but I, I thought I saw somebody, maybe it was Drager, tweet that he was pretty confident that Howden was going to get a deal to resign with Vegas. Did I, I am I, did, I making that up? Nope, nope, you did see that, but that's not as fun, Vince. That's not what we're here to do. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, they, they kind of need a fourth line center, so maybe maybe Brett would be an option. I, I like Brett. I wouldn't mind seeing Brett back over here. Oh, uh, the, the jokes uh, would be I, I incredible, Vince. Uh, it would be all time for stuff. Uh, let's get to the real news, I guess. Uh, Malkin will be testing free agency. We spent the first 30 minutes talking about Malkin on this podcast. Do you see any scenario where the Rangers go out and are a finalist in signing Malkin? Because uh, obviously this comes down to Stroman Kopp. We'll get to them eventually. But Malkin is probably one of the, the hotter names on the center market. And it clearly fits a need the Rangers have right now. Yeah, he, he listen, he fits a need. And if you could get him at your price point, then sure, he would make a lot of sense. That goes for a lot of guys. That goes for Kadri. That goes for Vincent Trocek. That absolutely still goes for Andrew Kopp and Ryan Strom. But I, I feel like I've written about this at nauseum recent, like in really the last couple of months. But no matter what they do at that center spot, you have to look at it from a realistic standpoint. And the reality is, no matter which way you want to slice it or what you want to play with on, on cap friendly, 
the Rangers have extremely limited cap space as it currently stands. My projection, I've been putting this number out there repeatedly right now, is 8.5 million because you could fudge it and make it look a little bit bigger, you know, make it look like 10 or 11 million. But the reality is that whether it's Vitaly Kratsov or Johnny Brodzinski or Dryden Hunt or one of the prospects that we're looking at right now, like Will Cooley or Brennan Othman, the Rangers are going to need a few of those guys penciled in on the roster to fill out the bottom spots. So I have added anticipating at least two or three guys with those, let's call them sub million dollar contracts on the books, on the roster. They really only have like three or four spots to play with. One of them is Capo Caco. One of them is a backup goalie. And then you've got like two spots, you know, one of them has to be a center. And then there's kind of a wild card spot that depending on how much they spend on center could be maybe a free agent. Like I know they for sure would like to bring Tyler Mott back or if they end up spending on the higher end for a center, it's probably going to have to be another one of those sub million dollar kind of contract guys. Now buying out Patrick Nemeth, which I think is a real possibility in the next 24 hours or probably less, I guess, by the time this podcast comes out, that would free up roughly kind of like if you look at it, 500,000 is the way I would look at it because he makes 2.5, but the buyout would save them 1.5. And then you have to replace him with somebody. So if you bring up whether it's Jones or Lundquist, that's basically a million. So all you're really saving with the buyout of him is 500,000. You really think there's no way to trade him though, Vince, right? Like I don't want to cut you off, but no trades are going to be happening with him. They tried at the draft and it didn't happen. So they would have had to do what they did with Mark Stahl and attach an asset to him to convince another team to take him. It wasn't like they were going to trade Nemeth and say, okay, we'll take a sixth round pick back. They were going to have to say, we'll give you Nemeth and we'll give you, let's call it a second or a third round pick in order to say for another team to say, okay, we'll take him, which is what they did with Mark Stahl with Detroit a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know if they had a taker for that or if jury just didn't want to sacrifice the draft pick to do it. And the buyout, you know, can make some sense, especially when you look at the cap hit next year, there will be no cap penalty for the buyout next year, which is going to be an even tighter cap crunch for them. So I do think the buyout makes some sense. And I do think that there's a very real chance that that's going to happen. But again, if you, if you figure you have to replace him with somebody, which you do, then you're really only saving about 500, 600,000. So maybe that pushes their available cap space up to about 9 million or so. But with that $9 million, you have to re-sign Kako, you have to find a backup goalie, and you have to decide what you're going to do at center. So if you, if you do the math, you can, you can come to a pretty reasonable conclusion that a guy like Kadri, who we're expecting to cost $8 million or so a year, or Malkin, who his price point is a little more up in the air. He made 9.5 this year. We know Pittsburgh, or we've heard that Pittsburgh offered him, I think, $5 million, and he said no to that. So you have to figure he's going to cost more than five. How much is he going to cost? The Rangers, as far as I can tell, really can't afford to go much above six. And their preference is to keep it as close to five as possible. So Malkin, to me, while you could say there's a fit, it would be nice to have him on a short-term deal. We know they don't want to give out long-term deals. That was the big holdup with Strom. But is he going to come six million or less? I think that's a huge question mark right now. It, to me, I want, I'm really curious to see how the market materializes because 
how many teams are really willing to pay top dollar for centers? And then how quickly do those chairs get filled? Kadri, we know, is probably the, the number one guy out there. Teams are definitely going to be fishing around on Malkin. What's going to happen with Cop? What's going to happen with Strom? What's going to happen with Trocheck? Those are kind of the five, I would say, premium centers on the free agent market right now. So if four of those guys get signed and then one guy is hanging around late and maybe the Rangers can convince him to come in at a number that starts with a five, well, then they become a more realistic option for them. But if all those guys are out there fishing for six million, if not more, I think it's going to be really tough for the Rangers to squeeze that. So maybe I'm looking at this from too much of a numbers standpoint as far as the cap is concerned, but everyone that I've talked to has been giving me the same impression for really a year now. And that's that the Rangers are in a tight situation and they they're not going to be able to go out and sign big impactful kind of guys on the free agent market for at least a couple of years. Vince, I think uh, the next thing we need to ask you about before we're going to ask you about two wingers, but first we're going to ask you a winger about who is currently a New York Ranger and that's Kako. Uh, it seems as though it's an inevitability. He's going to sign a two by two ish, probably like 2.2. Um, is there any reason for any consternation that a deal of that magnitude has not been announced yet, or is it just, there's no real rush. So why rush? I don't think there's a real rush right now. I think ideally you'd like to get it done before Wednesday at noon. I don't sense that there's a lot of concern about the offer sheet possibility, but if you can rule out that possibility, why not do it? So I certainly would not be surprised if we hear the deal announced before Wednesday at noon or some point on Wednesday, I I've been hearing for a while that they pretty much have the framework in place for the Rangers. The, the two year bridge deal makes the most sense. They don't want to do a one year deal because that would mean that you're going to have to go through negotiations again with him next year. while you're simultaneously having to negotiate with Lafreniere and Miller, maybe Heedle. So I think next year they're already going to be overloaded with kids who need new contracts. They don't want Kako to be one of them. The two year deal makes the most sense for them. I, I've, I've heard that it sounds like Kako is willing to do that. And I've heard from multiple people for quite a while now that the framework is the Philip Heedle deal, which was two years at $2.3 million per season. Now, will he get that exact number? I'm sure his side is trying to push a little bit more. And I know the Rangers, because of how tight the salary cap situation is, feel that every couple hundred thousand that they can save is a pretty big deal for them. So I think right now it's probably fluctuating the negotiations between 2 million and maybe let's say 2.5. They're probably going to land somewhere in that range is what I've been told and what I've been hearing for a while. I I just think the Rangers are are, are probably trying to squeeze as much out of it as they can at this point. But I I do think they're close. I I haven't had any indications that they're not. And I would expect it whether it's in the next day or two or a little further down the line to be announced at some point. I I will be clear because I had a lot of people ask me this when I tweeted about this last week, that that does not necessarily mean the Rangers would not discuss a trade with Kako. I think if they, I think if they weren't willing to discuss trades with Kako, he wouldn't have been scratched in game six of the Eastern conference final. So I don't look at him as an untouchable guy. I do look at him as a guy that you have to get a, a really nice center in return to think about trading 
I absolutely do believe that at this moment he's in their plans for next season, especially when you look at their right wing depth chart, which doesn't have a whole lot in it right now with Frank Petrano and Andrew Kopp heading toward free agency. So I, I, my expectation is that Kaka will be signed and will likely be on the team next year, but I, I wouldn't sit here and, and absolutely rule out a trade possibility either. Uh, the deal is kind of notwithstanding of that, regardless of whether they're going to trade him or not, it's important that they get him under contract. And that brings us to Patrick King, which you, I would just guessing on the, the narrative you've taken so far in this episode is even if the Blackhawks are eating that money, half of it, it's still going to be an exceptionally tough price figure for the Rangers to fit in. And that's before we talk about what it would cost to trade for Patrick Kane, though I do think part of the reason why these at least theories and conversations have increased is because quite frankly, the Blackhawks had a really bad week and it seems as though they are not getting what, people thought they would get for the players they are shopping. Do you get a sense that Kane is becoming more realistic or is this more just scuttlebutt you're hearing from people like myself, Ryan and others on Twitter and Chicago radio insiders, of course, Greg and Chicago radio insiders. Yeah. To me, it's been more of an internet rumor. It's not something that has come up in any conversation that I've had. So I look at it as a long shot in an ideal circumstance could you add a guy like that to a, to a contending team and, and think that he might help you get over the top? Sure, but this isn't in an average circumstance because of the flat cap era. You heard Chris Drury in, his, in, in the one chat that he had in Montreal. The first thing he brought up about his conversations with other GMs is everybody complaining about the salary cap. So given that reality, there's no way that the Rangers can really afford to be chasing high-priced wingers and – if you were to acquire him at even 50% retained and nobody has told me, or I haven't seen any hard evidence that the Blackhawks would even be willing to retain 50% unless you're giving them a really substantial package. You would have to think that a guy like Kako or Heedle would have to be at the top of that deal on top of draft picks and other stuff. I just don't see why they would go chasing a winger when they know that 5.25 that he would hypothetically cost in a 50% retained scenario is the exact money that you need to sign a center and center is a glaring weakness on this roster. Whereas winger is a position that you've been drafting guys for in the first round for years now. So they look at, you can go at the last, I believe it's the last five drafts. Their first pick in each of those drafts has been a winger. So they are well-stocked at winger. They have Artemi Panarin. They have Chris Kreider. They have Lafreniere. You know, I, we, you guys know the names. I don't have to go through all the names. But they are well-stocked at winger. They need centers. And I absolutely believe that Chris Drury, whether it's one of those five big names that we talked about, whether it's a trade for one of the big names like Miller or Shifley or Dubois, or, which I think is also a realistic possibility, it ends up being maybe a B-level guy who comes a little bit cheaper Say his name, Vince. The rain. Sorry. <laughs> say his name. I know say you want to say his name. Dylan Strom. I know. I, I'll, I'll let you say it, Greg. I know. I've seen you. <laughs> oh, Paul Stastny. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I just. I. I. I, think, I, I think want you a to... real possibility for them. I really do. Vince, I want. I just want you to know how excited I get when his name appears in your column. That it's just everything I've ever needed and more. <laughs> I, I, either him or a guy like him, who you won't have to commit to long term who would come cheap enough. Like if you sign him, then you can go and bring Tyler Mott back, or you can go pursue a bottom six piece who you think is going to be really helpful for the lineup. Now, is that going to be the sexiest move? 
No. Is that going to put the Rangers over the top? Maybe not. But the reality of the Rangers situation, I know I keep being captain reality here, but if the Rangers are going to win a Stanley Cup, it's not going to be about one move that they make this offseason. It's going to be about Lafreniere and Kako and Igor and Keandre Miller and Braden Schneider and Philip Heedle or whoever, any of the young emerging players on this roster, even guys like Brennan Offman and Will Cooley or Zach Jones, whoever's coming up, it's going to be about the growth of those guys. It's going to be about those guys along with the, the core that you have right now of Panarin and Zabanajad and Fox. It's going to be about those guys stepping up, becoming, if not star level players, then high performing, high quality players. And that is the path to a championship for this team because the core is locked up. I've written about this before. I've called them the essential six. Panarin, Truba, Mika, Fox, Igor, and Kreider. Those six account for over 60% of their available salary cap space. They've made their bed with those guys. They they all have either complete no-move clauses or partial no-move clauses. None of them are going anywhere right now. Those That's the core of this team. And to bolster that core... What they need more than anything, more than one move that we can say is going to happen this summer, is they need the young guys to continue to grow and to become top six guys when it comes to the forwards, top four guys when it comes to the defensemen, and and bolster this roster and make this roster complete. Because I I just don't believe that whether it's re-signing Copper Strom or going after one of these other centers that we've talked about, certain guys to varying levels will make the roster slightly better. But ultimately, the collection of young talent getting better is what they need more than anything. So, you know, I know it's the offseason. And, of course, like I'm super interested in what they're going to do, too. And Drury, as far as I can tell, has been calling about absolutely everybody. I do think he's checking in on all options. He's just super diligent that way. But predicting their next move is really tough because of the salary cap, because of all the moving parts, and, and, and because of the fact that it, it's just – he, he is, uh, let's say, very tight-lipped about letting it be known which way he's leaning in a lot of these situations. So let's talk about uh, Stroman Cop, just get, kind of get out of the way. You've been reporting that um, they really weren't close, but the door's not totally closed. I think that's mostly because they want long-term contracts, and we've talked about the salary and the availability of money for the New York Rangers over the next couple of years. And I'd imagine both of them want five-plus uh, years is that sort of the case right now? It's not only just the years, but it's also the average money, uh, average amount per year that they want. But it's mostly yeah, the I, years. Yeah, I, I think the holdup. So I, I've told you guys this before, I think. In, in the winter, the Rangers made a push to try to extend Strom. I think there was a moment in time where they were like, listen, when it comes to value, cost, knowing what we have, the way that he fits in the locker room, all the factors – we're not going to be able to do much better than him at that price point. So they decided let's go for it. Let's see if we can lock him up to an extension now before he hits the market. I know that they were talking numbers between five and five and a half million per season, which has been the number that we've talked about with all these guys. Again, that is their goal is to be between five and five and a half. I don't think Strom was opposed to to one of those numbers. Obviously his preference is going to be 5.5 in that range. But I, I, my feeling on it is that he wanted security of more years than the Rangers were willing to go, and that's when negotiations broke down, and that's why at this point it seems unlikely that he's going to come back. 
Cop, I think, is is similar in in a lot of ways as far as the money and the years are concerned. Now, when he was with Winnipeg, I heard that he was looking for a deal from them at a $5 million per year range, which the Rangers, I think, if he were willing to do that, would jump on it. But he came to the Rangers. He was like a point-per-game player for them. He played consistently in the top six. He boosted his value in his time in New York. So now that price from everything that I've heard has gone up to the point where I think he's looking for probably at least five and a half, if not closer to six. So it's all kind of this this moving parts game for the Rangers. And I think, again, like I mentioned earlier, it, it'll come down whether or not they can bring back either of them or one of the key free agents on the market. And again, I think Kadri, Malkin, and Trocek would probably be the guys that would be on the higher end of the spectrum. It's going to come down to do any of them land at a point where they're not getting the full dollar amount or the full year amount that they're looking for from another team and they're willing to maybe come back and meet the Rangers in the middle. That, I think, is the most realistic path. So I think what you might see is maybe Wednesday the Rangers don't necessarily sign somebody right off the bat, but maybe by Thursday or Friday one of those players is looking around. A lot of the spots on other teams have been filled. They're not getting quite the offers that they were hoping that they would get, and then maybe that's an opportunity for the Rangers to swoop in. But I I just don't see the Rangers coming right off the bat and offering a huge contract to one of those guys for all the reasons that we talked. I, I don't get the Kadri thing at all, Vince. I, I think he's going to get seven years somewhere. Uh, I or, mean, or six years. I get the Kadri thing just from the pot. Again, it's, it's something we've said multiple times. It benefits other, it benefits agents to make other teams think the Rangers are involved in certain players just because they are the New York Rangers. And yeah, me, I think, I think that is part of it for sure. Greg, mm-hmm. I also think that, in, in an ideal world where cap space wasn't an issue, he would be the perfect fit that the Rangers want because he's a guy who you know can play on the second line. He proved it on a championship team. He became a big point producer this past season, and he plays with that edge and that two-way commitment and that speed and all that stuff that the Rangers love. So he's he's exactly the kind of player they want. They just can't afford him. No, I think he legitimately gets like 7.5 or $8 million over seven years. I don't think there's a way... The Rangers, they don't even have a shot. They can't even get in the room. That's why the that's why the rumors were so strange. Whereas Malkin, I think he's pissed off and he's disgruntled with, with Pittsburgh. And I think you could see him take a two- or three-year deal at 6, 6.5. That's why I think it's a realistic possibility for Malkin. Whereas Kadri, like, there's no chance. It was, it was never even going to be a thought. For, for Chris Drury. Yeah, but I'm also I'm also sure that Drury called about Kadri. I'm sure he's called all these guys. So an agent could take a call and then leak it and say, hey, Chris Drury called me. And then, you know, it takes on a, a life of its own, too. I, that's, that's, totally I fair. think that's a lot of what happens at this time of year. Vince, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least talk about the last most mm, impactful event on the NHL calendar, and that's the NHL draft. The New York Rangers weren't heavily involved, obviously. No one expected us. To be after that first round pick transferred over. In they the did leave early in the because, seventh round. They left the empty table. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a good team needs less things at the draft, but your general vibe of how the Rangers did at the draft. I know at least from the people we know, there's a lot of love for the first two picks and a lot of what the hell are they doing for the rest of the draft? Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, that's a pretty fair summary from, from what I've heard. And I'll plug my own podcast for this week, my guest is Chris Peters, who I think is one of the best prospect reporters out there. So I'm definitely going to dive into each awesome. of these individual guys with Chris uh, on my episode. So New Ice City, everybody check it out. Okay. Uh, and then getting back to uh, getting back to the guys. Yeah, I think 
I think the first two picks to me, even before I started asking around, just based on the own research that I had done and, and looking at how they fit, Sakura and McConnell Barker are, are interesting guys. Sakura at, at development camp today on Monday. I mean, these guys, I think you can tell they're all a little bit jittery, especially the guys that are there for the first time. But he was, and it, listen, everybody obviously tries hard and plays hard at these type of development camps, but he was hustling from drill to drill like his life depended on it. Like this guy you could just see is a, is a ball of energy. You can hear it when he talks. He just seems to have a lot of spunk about him. I, I had one person call him a four-checking machine. He just seems like he's going to be a really good energy guy who can play with speed, who can be physical, who can be in your face, who can four-check, who can play that style that we saw the Avalanche have so much success with and the style that we know the Rangers are aiming for with Gerard Gallant and, and Chris Drury, and, and that those are the kind of players that they've been trying to acquire. I really think team speed is something that they've identified that they want to add more of. They, they don't feel like they quite have the foot speed to hang with a team like Colorado at this point. So Sakura, I think, helps with that. He definitely, from what I've heard, is more of a winger, but I did have one scout tell me that he wouldn't be shocked if maybe they give him some looks at center because he does have a little bit of experience there. But I think that made the McConnell-Barker pick kind of make more sense afterwards because I know a lot of people were up in arms that the Rangers didn't draft a center with their first pick as they have for however many consecutive years, even though center is quite clearly the biggest organizational need both on the NHL roster and in their prospect pool. But McConnell-Barker is a guy that multiple people told me a couple years ago they thought was going to be a first-round pick. He ends up not having the most productive year in the OHL this past season, but I think it's hard to judge a lot of the OHL guys, especially the younger guys, because they completely lost a season due to COVID, and, and they haven't had any form of routine or regularity for a while. So he's the type of guy that maybe you could see pop this season in the OHL, and then all of a sudden he looks like a third-round steal for the Rangers. I got to see him in person for the first time today, especially at, at the rink for development camp. Big dude, like bigger than I expected. A lot of times you see these guys and they're listed at like 6'1 or 6'2, but then you stand next to him, you're like, you're, you're probably more like 5'11. But he, he was a pretty big dude who looked like he had some, some physical maturity already. So I think those two are really intriguing picks. The other guys later in the draft, those are guys that are, are longer shots, obviously. And I think with each one of them, you look at the skill sets. They all profile, especially the forwards, profile more like maybe bottom six, fourth line kind of guys. And I think from the Rangers perspective, you know, they want guys like that in their system who might be able to plug holes on the fourth line or somewhere in the bottom six in the coming years on cheap entry level contracts. So I don't think they were aiming huge upside with some of those picks, especially like, you know, a couple of the picks for guys that were draft eligible a few years ago and just didn't get picked uh, like the like the Mancini uh, defenseman and then uh, Copri, the, the forward that they got in the fine in their final pick in the sixth round. So we'll see how those guys materialize. But my sense on, on everybody after the first two picks is that they're probably more like bottom of the roster type guys if they make it. So, you know, sometimes I guess from the Rangers perspective, you're going to roll the dice on guys like that, just hoping that they might be able to fill a role for you sometime in the future. That's all you can ask, right? Uh, one of the final questions I have, or actually the final if the Rangers sign Mott on Wednesday, 
which obviously they are interested in him, but they don't also want to let him get away. And as soon as free agency goes, we usually see all the deals get done pretty immediately in the NHL. There's nothing really that drags out. That automatically kind of takes them out of everything except that B-level uh, center, right? Like a Stasny. So that's that would be a pretty big sign for everybody kind of following everything. If Mott signs, the only room left is like a Stasny or a Dylan Strom maybe at, at a cheap or something else. Yeah, mo- most likely, un- unless they find some kind of way to move more salary. But again, if you take out those big six guys that we talked about, the, the highly paid guys, who else are they moving that really represents a lot of salary? There's nobody. Carefully? There's nobody. I mean, if they traded, if they traded Hedl or Kako, assuming that Kako's salary is going to be right around the same range as, as Hedl, which is 2.3, then okay, you're taking a little more money off the books that way. So maybe that gives you a little more wiggle room. Like they'd probably have to do something like that to fit a guy like Shifley, for example, because I believe he's at 6.125 million. It's, it's kind of sad that I know all these salaries off the top of my head, but I've been staring at a lot of these guys for a while. So they could maybe find a way via trade to squeeze somebody who costs a little bit more than a Stasny or a Strom or a Dylan Strom, I should say might, but yeah, I mean, if they sign Mott, that, that should definitely tell you something about how much they have to potentially spend on a center. And I, I think that they're aiming high, but I also think that they have a lot of fallback options, which are a couple of the guys that we, that we've mentioned on the, on the show so far. So to me, I, I think the way I view it is Drury has like a board of all these different possibilities. And based on what happens with X, Y, Z, then that might make so-and-so a more realistic possibility for him. So I think they have a lot of balls in the air right now and they want to see what breaks maybe if, if a trade that they've been fishing on all of a sudden falls into place, or maybe if the free agent market shakes out a certain way where there's one guy left holding the bag and, and wondering who, he, where he's going to go and they can swoop in and take advantage of that situation. So I think, I think that's the way they're playing it. I, I do not sense that they have one guy who they're really, really zeroed in, in on right now. I think, I think this is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. They have to come out of this with a center, but is it one of the big names that would get the fan base excited or is it more of a practical choice that maybe allows them to re-sign a guy like Mott or do a couple other little things? It's all going to be little things, but maybe one or two other little things with the roster. Again, I'm going to harp on this point. I'm sure I'm going to end up writing about this after all the dust settles, but no matter what happens in the next week, it all comes down to the development of the kids. That is the path to a championship for this team. I don't see one move that happens in this week that all of a sudden. Well, maybe you don't bench it. one in game six. That's all I'll say. <laughs> maybe you don't do that. Yeah, I mean, listen, the questionable move. But listen, your boy Kako, I think, handled it really well. I'll say that, too. I'll give him some credit there because I, 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 I fished around on this a lot. I did not get any sense from really anybody that he was – kicking and screaming about that or making it into a big thing. If anything, it seems like he's motivated to kind of shove it to them and show them that, you know, he, he should be in the lineup. I, but I don't think that is going to be a thing that makes him more likely to want to leave. Uh, so I, I'm curious to see how he reacts to a moment like that. Me too. Actually, final question. Do you, sorry to cut you off, Greg. Uh, do you see Lafreniere actually getting on power play one next year, taking that Ryan Strom spot? It depends who the center ends up being. I mean, if, if they end up with, Shifley or Dubois or Malkin or someone like that, then 
it probably decreases the chances. But ideally, I think they need to promote some of those guys. They need to give them more ice time. They need to give them more responsibility in all situations, which definitely includes the power play. They need to put those guys in a position where they are going to have to grow, where they're going to have to take on you know, more responsibility and become bigger parts of the team because that that is what's necessary. That is what we're looking at right now. You drafted all those guys. You, you need to now promote them and, and see if they're going to sink or swim. And, and you, you would think, especially based on what we saw in the playoffs, especially with Heedle, Lafreniere, and, and Miller, I think those are probably the three young guys that stood out to me the most, that it looks like they're probably going to be able to swim. So moving forward, I think that's got to be a real point of emphasis for the Rangers is, is letting those guys blossom. Uh, last one for me, Vince. I know the Ranger names today weren't all that surprising. I know you at least – Raise an eyebrow on Tyler Wall, but I, I can't say any of us are totally heartbroken or upset about it. Was there anyone on the qualifying market today outside of Dylan Strom where you were like, huh, what's up with that? Uh, Sonny Milano a little bit. I didn't really expect the Ducks to let him go. I don't know if he's a fit for the Rangers again because I I, I don't think he plays any center. I think he's exclusively a winger. So, I don't know if he's a fit for the Rangers or a guy that I see them pursuing, but he was a guy that when I watched him play, I was impressed with the skill. And so I was a little surprised that the Ducks let him go. I want to take a a closer look at the list, if I'm being honest with you guys. I was at the rink for a lot of the day. I, I raced out of there. I wrote my story. I went and picked up the baby from daycare. We made dinner, and then I came on with you guys. I've been shooting a few texts here and there. Yeah, I've been actually I did have a text exchange about Gautier with somebody, Uh, but uh, (laughs) but which is which is why I brought that up at the beginning. But I I will take a closer look tonight. But I did see Sonny Milano and that was a name that jumped out to me as a guy that I was a little surprised got let go. Listen, centers are the thing. They're going to fish around on some of these on some of these centers and see if there might be a guy in that mix who they believe has some upside and they could take a low risk signing on. They're, they're definitely going to sign one or two guys as they do every year on two way contracts who they look at as guys who could either play for Hartford or in a pinch bounce up. You know, they've done that with guys like Greg McKeg and Dryden hunt and Johnny Brodzinski. So I, I would look for them to probably sign one or two guys like that, who they end up targeting. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the low co- cost option to me has become more realistic over the course of the last couple of weeks, just as the, as you get more of a feel for, for exactly what this cap situation is and exactly the hurdles that they're dealing with. They, they might have to do something that isn't the sexiest thing out there. And, and they just look at it as a practical move. Vince, thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you. Um, I guess like the end of September, probably again. That'll be the next time we have you back. And then uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, do check out Vince's podcast, New Ice City. The last, the ending episode before he restarted uh, was like an hour, 20 minutes, Vince, of you kind of breaking down uh, interview last day. And it's still, a lot of it's still relevant now. So if you haven't listened to it, it's it's quite the listen, a masterclass from you, Vince. So thanks for, thanks for coming on and appreciate all your advice and uh, information. Nice butt kissing at the end there, Ryan. I appreciate it. I just listen. I like. I'll call you a shithead when I want to, but I think that was great work. <laughs> yeah, I'll, Vince, I'll, I'll, I'll even it out. Tell the people the disgusting piece of shit IPA you're currently drinking. <laughs> well, actually, it is not an IPA. It's a summer ale. 
So uh, it's like a, okay. it's like a little step under an IPA as far as the hoppiness and all that, but it's delicious. It's Brooklyn. It's a uh, Brooklyn brewery. I just bought my Oktoberfest tickets, so I'm very excited. Not for Germany version. You, but... you, you guys are the only podcast that I will usually try to have a beer in my hand for. Strange. Right. I wonder now, why. <laughs> I'm not like I'm not pre. I want to make it clear. I'm not pre gaming for the podcast, but Vince, I everyone just knows. Cracked, I cracked my first beer and I and I drank it. Actually, it's actually just about done over the course of this podcast. So easy peasy. works out. Works out nicely. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's been a long day for you. Enjoy. Tell the family say hello, including including baby Vince, who's doing very well, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, he's uh, oh man, since the season ended, like we took him out of daycare for the most part, and I've been it's been daddy daycare around here, and he's walking and now running. Oh, so man. I I basically just spend my days in between writing and checking in with sources. I'm just chasing him around what's the green heart scale is it good have you have you made him a center yet it sounds like you have a very clear path <laughs> to how we get this kid paying for his own college a few people have asked me when he's going to get on skates and and we're working on swimming right now which just feels like more of a summertime activity but maybe maybe come the winter we'll we'll see what's going on but he is still he he walks really well and runs really well with no shoes on now what we're trying to progress to is the shoes on and with mm. the shoes on he looks a little bit like a drunk guy walking down the street. So maybe once honestly, we mask honest, the shoes. Honestly, Vince, same. I, I got to <laughs> tell you. <laughs> yeah, so once we master the shoes, we'll work on skates. Awesome. Vince, uh, we'll talk to you next time, bud. Talk to you soon. Later. All right, we're back. Just figured we'd do some quick five stars. We forgot to do them earlier. Uh, this is from Holmes. Who wins the cup first, the Rangers or Georgiev? Georgiev, it's next year. Congratulations. Ah, uh, I'm not sure. I'd say if I were for Georgia, by the way, congrats to him. Uh, oh, God, the Mets didn't score around in the first inning. Everything's miserable. Um, yeah, that's that checks. That checks. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I what the Avalanche are probably what like six to one, seven and a half to one right now to repeat as champion. The Rangers probably sixteen to one ish. Yeah, say so that's about true. I don't. It's tough. It, the only let me put it this way, the only way Georgiev I think wins before the Rangers do is if 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 the Avalanche repeat. Um, I just don't. It's so hard to repeat. Like it's, unless it's there's really another hard. COVID bubble, it's just I just don't know if it's going to happen. I the Avalanche will have better odds, but the juice would be more worth the squeeze on the Rangers. So take that. Uh, David asks, can you react to the cap friendly page for the flyers? It's laughable. I don't need to even click. I can just imagine. I don't need I don't need the page. I need Rasmus Ristolainen and Tony D'Angelo is going to be a legitimate defensive pairing. I bet the over in flyer games this year. It's going to hit a lot. It's going to yeah. hit a lot. Ristolainen in that trade is woof all timer. That is a bad one. Uh, yeah, they extended him. That's crazy. <laughs> Some cost, my friends. It's oh worth my it. God. The, there are people in the NHL who just will never understand that Rasmus Ristolainen is bad. Is probably, I truly don't believe there is a Rasmus Ristolainen that exists in every other sport. I, I don't. I don't know what player keeps getting rewarded for being that bad. I just don't think it happens. Can you think of an NBA player? Um, it's the, who's the guy in the Heat that, but he's like a coach. Haslam? No, you did ha- No, Haslam doesn't count. Okay, like ha- Haslam. That's an off the court contract that, that for some reason. They just let him be the 15th man. But I'm I'm not talking – with Ristolainen, Rast- it would have to be someone in the starting five. Like, because Ugh. this is a guy they may- they give important minutes to. Kendrick Perkins in Oklahoma City, maybe? I don't 
I don't. Uh, they, someone stopped paying him though. I'm talking about a guy that's, <laughs> okay, that's still true. being paid today. Like if the, if if wrist aligning was happening, with Perkins was happening, we'd know about it. We'd laugh about it. But like at least then, not everybody was in on analytics like they are today. So I'm thinking like we now have too much information to a certain extent in all sports. We are now smart enough where people like Rasmus Ristolainen aren't happening. I just, I really can't name one. Like it is baffling. Isn't it? It's like, I'm trying to think of like even NFL players. I'm like, there's some guys in the NFL, but even then they're like utility guys. Right. They're not, starting. I guess like Matt Ryan. Right. But Matt he Ryan sucks. was in a Super Bowl, man. Like <laughs> I know he sucks, but. No, you can't. Teams. You can't make the quarterback. The quarterback position is so different. It, it it it's not comparable to an NHL defenseman. For me, it has to be someone in a starting five in the NBA on a team that thinks they are good. And I just like, I mean, even Evan Fournier has had moment, moments, man. And yeah, even then, like, like his it's... contract's movable. Oh God, he makes more than the entire impossible. Ranger team. It's impossible. Uh, this is from J-Play. If the Rangers were to hypothetically trade Lindgren away and move Miller up to play with Fox, what effects do you think this would have on Fox play? Not saying they should, just curious on your thoughts. Done. Um, yeah, Fox is really good. And uh, <laughs> Miller Miller has the same, like, more ability than Ryan Lindgren, but Lindgren just has the chemistry with Fox that's just developed over the year, and that matters more than we kind of give it credit for. On top of that, though, Miller is... Just a fucking amazing player. And he has more speed than Lindgren does, more reach. And, like, I, I like seeing them together. It's fun, but I don't think it would change. It wouldn't make Fox, like, woo, another level. He's already that good. Yeah, but it also wouldn't make Fox less of a player, which I think is what the question was actually Not asking. making less like, of a player. No yeah, way. does Ryan Lindgren's presence on that line help elevate Adam Fox's game? And I just think Adam Fox, he's just special. He, his level is independent of everybody. Uh, it, Lindgren's a great partner for him. Don't get me wrong. This isn't a slight on Lindgren at all. It's just if Lindgren wasn't there, I'd still expect greatness from Adam Fox. Um, I'll tell you what. I think the player I'd actually be most curious about is see how Zach Jones's game transforms playing next to Jacob Truba. And I think that would be a fascinating partnership. Because what what's the one knock on Jones that Two hundred hockey men. Too small. Too you, small. It's a little small, small. Too small. Same height. So you're gonna and wait. You're gonna you're, you're gonna you're gonna put him next to a fucking dump truck like Jacob Truba, and allow him to do what things J- Zach Jones does that are special. Oh, I think that'd be super intriguing. All right, we're out of here for this week. We're back next week. Love you guys. Follow us on Twitter. Orion me. Follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. See you then. Bye. All right. You know, at the end of every show, I mispronounce names for over a minute, and today I'm gonna thank the NHL Insiders Club for. Hanging out and supporting this podcast and getting some good scoops in the uh, in the uh, Insiders Club chat on Discord. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cartulo, Adam Keach, Alex Gardner, Anthony Terragata, Ben Water, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Rattel, uh, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Broadway Blucher Bleeder, Chris Fidelli, Chris Haru, CJ Stellwagen, Conrad P. Damage, Daniel Dayzen, David Naredin, David Siegel, Dennis Dice, Darian, Eric Stag, Garrett Rainus, Gib Gardner, Cup Grit. Gary 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 Fly, damn it, god damn it, Ryan. Harrison Hasco, Hip Hip 89, Hollis Sauce, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake B, James Masker, Jamie Filipponi. J- Filipponi? Ryan, my Filipponi. Jerry Marquez, JD, JD Mac, JD Frankie, JJ, John Hardy, John Chase, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Just Josh Kestenbob, Justin Freeman, Chris of Florida, Christoph Berg. Lege, uh, Leshek Gronkowski, I nailed it, Luigi Rodano. 
Going to the next page. It's loading. Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kine, Meatball the Cat, Mike Buckle, Neil Grover, Nicholas, Steve Nicola, Pascal Barrier, Battle Coach Rev, Pro World of Text Gamer, Sean Taggart, Sean Manea, Steve Bullbach from also Norway, Swingard, Thomas, Thomas Welsh, Tom Sequari, Tom Arts Jr., Tommy O'Neill, Turk from Nathan, Arnold State, Vin, Vinnie Bronco, Vinnie Hay, Will Spectre, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. I thought this episode rocked, dude. Seriously did, bro. Uh, Vince is the best. Seriously, I know I kissed his ass a little bit during the interview, but um, just the best in the biz right now. Crushing the game. Hope you guys learned a lot. I think the, I think the big telling thing at the end of the interview, we talked about Tyler Mott signing. I think if Tyler Mott signs with the Rangers early on Wednesday, uh, takes him out of a lot of action, including Malkin. I think the Kane thing is totally fake. I have all year. I have last year too, by the way. Don't get it. And uh, we'll stay tuned. We got BSBOT later this week. We'll be talking on, I think, Wednesday afternoon. Cover some free agency stuff right away. Should be a good old grand old time. Talk to you guys then. Love you. Bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.